Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you this morning. And I loved reading on the chat this morning all of the different things that people were thankful for. It's such a small thing, but it just is such an encouragement whenever we share those things together because it reminds us that even in the midst of things that are hard, even when hope feels small, that actually there are still things that we can say we are thankful for. And to do that together as a church family is amazing. So today we are in our second week, continuing our series in the Gospels, exploring the theme of hope by looking at different encounters that people had with Jesus. And over this series, our desire is that you will encounter Jesus that you will experience who he is in a fresh and a new and a real way. All of us are dealing with the monotony of lockdown, of working from home or of not being able to work, of homeschooling, of missing friends and family. And the risk with that then becomes that that monotony we are forced to experience in parts of our working and social lives can seep into all areas of our lives, can take up residence and and set up camp where it doesn't belong. Has the monotony of your current experiences set up camp in your relationship with Jesus? Is there apathy? Is there lack of desire? a bit of discontent. We need an encounter with Jesus. We need a fresh experience of him and we can have it. We just don't always know what it will look like for each of us. But I believe that while we may find glimmers of hope elsewhere, we will not find a true and lasting hope anywhere other than in Jesus. Today we're in the Gospel of Mark, we're in chapter 5, which is another well-known story. So as Zach said last week, try and hear this story in a fresh and new way today, even if you've heard it lots of, tra- lots of times, try and listen in, an, in a fresh way. Because what we'll discover in this story is that a moment with Jesus is enough to transform the whole of your life. We're in Mark chapter 5. Verses 25 to 34. Jesus is on a journey and a large crowd is gathered and is pressing in around him. And at verse 25, we read that a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realised that power had gone out for him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is a really emotive passage of scripture. 
because we feel the weight and the burden and the pain that this woman had carried. And we can learn some really important things about Jesus here too. Firstly, Jesus is not satisfied with distance. Hope in Jesus means that we can get close. Secondly, Jesus is not content with anonymity. Hope in Jesus means we are seen and we are known. And thirdly, Jesus does not deal in uncertainty and insecurity. Hope in Jesus means our true identity is restored. So let's look first to this woman. What do we know about her? What can we learn here? Well, we understand from this passage that she has lived under great suffering and in great pain. She is called the woman who is bleeding or the woman with an issue of blood. We don't know her name, but we know that her condition had lasted for 12 years, which would be horrific in itself at any point in history. But the reality of what her illness meant for her was that it wasn't just 12 years of pain, but 12 years of isolation. 12 years of being deemed unclean by the ceremonial laws of her culture. And for what? Something she could do nothing about. A long-term, debilitating period problem. Now, if there is still taboo and shame around periods today in our culture, and if some of you are even feeling mildly uncomfortable at the fact that I just mentioned periods in a preach, Imagine how much more uncomfortable people would have been around this woman. Imagine what she would have experienced two millennia ago. It wasn't just that she was deemed unclean. It was that everything she touched was too. And every person she came into contact was with too. She was deemed ceremonially unclean for as long as the bleeding lasted. There was no way out. It was exhausting and demoralizing, not to mention the silent suffering she was forced to endure. No wonder she was desperate. Her illness had stripped her of so much, all her money, her social life, affection, social contact, normal family life, even her worship. She couldn't go to the temple in the same way. Her dignity was being stripped from her as each year edged on and the world that she was a part of only compounded her problems and provided few resources for her to overcome them. And so she took a really big risk. Now coming to Jesus in a crowd and touching his cloak to see if that brought healing, that might not seem like a huge deal to us. But she was risking everything by doing this because her very presence there was unwanted. Remember, we read that the crowds were clamoring around him. There was no way that she could have gotten so close to Jesus without touching anyone else. And so then they would have been deemed unclean too had she been found out. This is a really big deal in this culture. It would have spelled disaster for her. But the most miraculous thing happens. She manages somehow to silently press her way towards Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment. And what happens next is incredible. She is healed instantly. 
She feels the change in her body immediately. Imagine the magnitude of her relief, of her shock. It had worked. And carrying this precious healing, she was content to slip away. And this is where we meet Jesus. Her heart must have been in her mouth at the words that he spoke. Who touched me? She'd been caught, found out, it was all over now. She would be found out to not only have rendered this great rabbi Jesus unclean, but also everyone else who was there. What we see of Jesus here is so revealing. Because his first concern is not about the laws that this woman might have broken. In fact, he shows a total disinterest in the social norms. He just knew that someone had been healed and he wanted to know who. Jesus is aware of every detail, every moment of turning to him, every inkling of faith he knows. Because you see, Jesus is not content just to heal to restore he must also know he doesn't exert his power from a distance unconcerned with those that his power comes into contact with with Jesus it has always been unwaveringly relational Jesus is not content with silence he must hear he is unafraid of the things that we are afraid of. He is unashamed of the things that we so often are ashamed of. His reaction to her, given the condition that she suffered with, is startling, it is revolutionary. He does what no one else would have done in this scenario. When this woman finally comes and confesses that it was her, he doesn't reprimand her. He doesn't even ask what happened. No big show is made of her. This most ordinary woman has her life transformed, her dignity restored and her identity confirmed in one moment with Jesus. It didn't go at all how she or anyone else around her expected, which is often the way with Jesus and is often the thing we have so much trouble grasping. So what does this mean for us today? There may be some of us listening here who know exactly what it is like to suffer as this woman suffered, to suffer in silence, to suffer for a long time. And I do not say glibly to you to look to Jesus because I know that you will have many times. And perhaps your questions today are, why have I not received the healing I so desperately long for? I cannot give you a satisfactory answer to that, nor will I diminish your experience by suggesting one. But I do know that we would want to stand beside you in prayer as you journey through that valley. For others of us, we find it hard to relate to this story, maybe because the particulars of it make us feel uncomfortable, or perhaps because we're unsure of how it relates to us. I hope that the three points I have here will bring something helpful to us today. 
Firstly, hope in Jesus means we can get close. Nothing beats proximity, right? I mean, we know that these days, absolutely. But there will be so many things in our relationship with Jesus that cause us sometimes to distance ourselves. Some of them we can articulate, some of them just build up over time. But the truth from this story is that we will not be rejected when we draw near to Jesus. When life crowds in, if there's nothing else we feel capable of, we can still get in close to Jesus. On my wall by my front door, I have a a tiny frame with a a little scrap of paper in it. And it has a, a verse written on it. It was written by, written out by my grandmother, who I never met. And it's a verse from a really old hymn which references this story. It says, The healing of his seamless dress is by our beds of pain. We touch him in life's throng and press, and we are whole again. We touch him in life's throng and press, and we are whole again. Where is life thronging and pressing in around you? Where does the pressure seem too much? Reach out to Jesus. Of course, we know we can't physically reach out to him, but just because we don't see him in the same way that this woman did, it doesn't mean that he isn't just as close. In Acts, the book of Acts chapter 17, Verses 27 to 28 tells us God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. He is not far from any one of us. Reach out to him in prayer, speak his name, turn your focus and your attention towards him and crucially away from that which seeks to destroy your hope and distract you endlessly. Take a 180 turn today because hope in Jesus means we can get close. When life is clamoring around you, keep your focus. Keep your focus on him. Secondly, hope in Jesus means we are seen and we are known. This is probably one of my favourite details about the story and one of my favourite things that I learn about Jesus here, that he is not content with anonymity. How many of us relish anonymity? I mean, we say we don't, but really we do. Because anonymity is mostly always on our terms. You can tune in here and be anonymous. In normal times, you could slip in and slip out of Central Hall and be anonymous. On Zoom, you can just leave and no one is any the wiser. And sometimes the circumstances of our lives have made us feel that we should just content ourselves with being anonymous, with being unseen. That's the line that this woman had bought into or had been forced into. 
She had ordered her life and her activity around the idea that it would just be better if she remained anonymous. Now, it didn't stop her in her desperation of doing the brave thing and of going to find Jesus, but she wasn't expecting to speak to him. She wasn't expecting to have an interaction with him. She was content to just slip in and slip out. Jesus' interaction with her, it changed everything in her, in her life from that moment going forward. But there's something else here. The fact that it is then recorded here for us to read means that the silence of her story had been broken. The shame that she had felt for so many years had been broken. Hope in Jesus meant that she was seen and known as a person loved by God, but also that her story mattered too, and it needed to be heard. Her suffering and pain was held as important to Jesus. And the same is true for us too. You are seen and known by Jesus. He is not interested in anonymity with you. He desires to know you, to know all of you, every part. And he perseveres too. The disciples were saying to him, don't be ridiculous. Literally everyone is touching you right now. How can you ask who is touching me? But at verse 32, we read, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus kept looking around. This is the Jesus we follow, the saviour who keeps looking around, who perseveres with us, in whom we can be seen and known fully. And this is not just a truth for ourselves. This truth also extends to those around us who have been forced into that silence and anonymity. As those following Jesus, we have the opportunity to shine God's light of being seen and known on those who have consigned themselves to invisibility. As you, as you step into that place of being known, it is not just for you. Who else can you usher in with you? I wonder if today as well, God wants to give the gift of courage to some of you to share your story as well. Perhaps pain or shame or even feelings of being a broken record have silenced you. And my prayer for you today is that you would receive that courage to know that the whole of who you are matters to Jesus. Finally, hope in Jesus means our true identity restored. Verse 33, it says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. There is so much in these couple of lines. This woman is a courageous powerhouse. I mean, she bravely comes to find Jesus and then she doesn't shy away from confessing that it was her that touched him. Even though she doesn't know what the consequences of that will be. She is afraid, but she is faithful. 
when Jesus speaks to her, he says this incredibly confusing thing, which is not completely something that Jesus does. He does that quite often. He says confusing things. He says, your faith has healed you, which is strange because surely it was Jesus's power that had healed her, right? But this is a commendation that Jesus gives out often in the Gospels, that a person's faith has been their saving grace. Now, I am not about to preach to you that if you had just had more faith, things would be different, because that would be about one of the most unhelpful things I could say. And I don't think that that's what Jesus means here when he commends her faith. Honestly, I'm not even sure if she would have classed herself as a particularly faith-filled person. She's just in dire straits. Yet her faith is what is commended. It seems that God does not use the same metrics that we do for what faithfulness looks like. Tom Wright, who's a theologian, explains in his commentary that Faith, though it is powerless, is the channel through which Jesus' power can work. And that faith, however much fear and trembling may accompany it, is the first sign of remaking, of renewal, of new life. So take heart if your faith feels very small and is followed closely by some fear and trembling. I think that Jesus saw faith in her where she knew she didn't, where he knew she didn't see it herself. Where it had been stifled by the constraints of her society or diminished by the seemingly big faith of those around her. He called out faith in her. I wonder if you've lived under that idea the strain of, I just need to have more faith, or even the burden of, I mustn't have had enough faith. I think that Jesus would want to dismantle that lie today and call out faith in you again, just as he did with this woman. Here, he did it with one word. Hope in Jesus restores our true identity. He says, daughter. But it's the word that he uses here that really matters. In the Greek, it's the word thugater, the meaning of which is crucial because it doesn't just mean anyone's daughter. It translates as daughter of God. And the definition of it says, one acceptable to God, rejoicing in God's care and protection. Do you see what he is restoring to her here in this moment? This is what Jesus does. He is rewiring her identity away from victim, back to who she really was before God daughter of God, where the laws of your culture and society have said you are unacceptable. Today I am calling you acceptable, where you have not been cared for or protected as you should have been. I say you have always been worthy of both. Hope in Jesus restores our true identity. 
But that also means that we must be willing to tear down the false identities that we have lived under, whether by our own making and volition or that of another and imposed upon us. There is a laying down that must happen. And we also must be those who speak this truth over others too. This is not just for us. We get to be those who speak words of life, of God's care and his protection over others. What identities have you lived under? Ones marking your successes and achievements? more ones coloured by your failures and your sufferings. Lay them down today and receive your true identity in Christ. Receive the hope of that again. Hear him speak that word of daughter, son over you today. One totally acceptable to God one worthy of his care and protection, one not only able but welcomed to draw close, one who is fully seen and known. And as you take hold of these truths for yourself, be those who choose to hold them out to others too. Let me pray for us. So Jesus, we thank you for what you show us in this story. We thank you for what we learn about who you are. And I pray today, Jesus, that we would know that welcome from you again to draw close, where we have distanced ourselves, where we take those brave steps back to you again. I pray, Father, for those who have felt silenced by the shame or pain of their story. And I pray that we will receive again that truth that in you we can be fully seen and fully known. And I thank you, Jesus, that in you we can know our true identity restored. So just as you spoke that identity over that woman, will you do the same for us? Will you speak those words of daughter, of son? Will you call out faith in us again, especially where we may not see it ourselves? And as we take hold of these truths for ourselves, God, help us to be courageous and generous with how we pour them out over others, that we will speak words of life and of love, of identity, of being known, of being seen and of being welcomed of, over others. Holy Spirit, come and work amongst us this morning. We welcome you to do whatever it is that you want to do in our hearts this morning. Amen.